Y'all doing good today? All right, do me a favor and give those that are watching us right now online a round of applause and thank them for being a part of our worship experience today. Uh, we have been in the part, uh, excuse me, we have been a part of a uh, six-day, seven-day journey. Today is actually day seven of seven days of prayer and fasting, and uh, I have just been so encouraged by the overall participation that we've had. We've been meeting every night at 7 p.m., and uh, we've had a great response. Just people every night coming together, praying, believing God. I know some of you may have been participating with us online, but we want you to know that, man, we're still believing 2019 is going to be our best year ever. You believe that? And uh, I believe there's no greater way than just invite God into the middle of our lives and into the middle of this year and believe him for great things. And so I just want to personally invite you to join us because tonight is the finale. It is night seven of our seven-day prayer and fasting. And uh, for those who have been fasting, tonight afterwards we're going to be feasting. <laughs> we're going to have some pulled pork. It's going to be awesome. So uh, we just want to invite you to come be a part of an amazing time as we just pray together. If you've never been a part of one of our prayer rallies, um, trust me, you'll be greatly encouraged. You'll be blessed, inspired. And uh, it's just an incredible time as we just really just press in and believe God to do great things. And uh, we're also going to be baptizing tonight for those that want to be baptized after the rally. So we're going to be feasting. We're going to be celebrating baptisms. And we're just going to lean in and, and uh, pray and believe God to do great things. And so I hope you can join us tonight at 7 o'clock for our final time. Well, we've been in this series called Your Best Year Ever. And uh, if you were here during week one, uh, we talked about the importance of uh, really letting go of the limiting beliefs that sometimes hold us back from moving forward in faith and believing God for uh, what it is that he wants to accomplish in and through our lives. And we have to exchange those limiting beliefs with liberating, uh, liberating truths. And so last, um, last week, my wife Michelle built on that and we talked about the importance of closing our past or completing our past because so often one of the things that really serves as limiting beliefs in our lives and that really hold us back is we never really bring closure to our past. We always want to try to bring the worst of our, of our, of our, of our yesteryear into the best of this year. And so we have to truly bring closure to that. And so she did an amazing job sharing that truth with us last week. And today we're going to continue to build on a five-part framework that we're really journeying together with as we learn how to build the kind of life that I believe God wants us to live according to his plan and his purpose. And so we really have three options. You can either drift through life, and that's the people who just kind of go with the flow, hope it all works out. And then you have those who are driven. There's a lot of people who are very ambitious, very focused, very goal-oriented. Nothing wrong with that. At the same time, as, as, as long as it doesn't allow you to unfortunately leave a lot of important things behind. In other words, we can get so driven to accomplish our agenda and our goals and fulfill our ambitions that we miss the things that are truly most important along the way. And so you can either drift or you can be driven, but I think there's even a better way, and that is to design your life according to God's plan and his purposes. And so today we're going to understand how to do that. I'm going to give you five things from God's word that I believe that we can build upon and most importantly apply into our daily lives. We're going to look at a passage of scripture in 1 Kings chapter 22. And it's, um, it's in some ways it's kind of a, a sad commentary about a king. 
He was a good king. His name was King Jehoshaphat. And King Jehoshaphat, he was about 35 years of age when he became king of Judah. And um, for the most part, he was one who honored God. He, he didn't do like many others who had abandoned God and worshiped false idols and false gods and all of these things. He really, for the most part, really stayed true to uh, God and to his plans and his purposes. And what's interesting, about 25 years of his life was um, really spent in leading and ruling as king. And it says that during this time, as he was uh, at, serving as king, he decided to do something, and it was something that he wanted to pursue. And we pick up the story in verse 48, in 1 Kings chapter 22, and it says, Now Jehoshaphat built a fleet of trading ships to go to Ophir. And he went there for gold. But notice carefully. But they never set sail. They were wrecked at Ezion, Geber, which is the harbor they were actually built in. So think about this for just a moment. Here is a guy who had a dream. Here is a guy who wanted to go for the gold. And then he ended up putting all this time, effort, and energy in building this fleet of ships in order to go and pursue this dream to find the gold. And the Bible says that his ships never left the harbor. And it's sad and unfortunate that that represents a lot of people who have a dream, they have an aspiration, there's something inside of their heart that they really want to pursue and see ultimately become a reality in their life, but it never comes to fruition. In other words, their ship never leaves the harbor. And I think one of the reasons why a lot of people who have a dream or maybe a vision or a goal that they really want to pursue and see become a reality, one of the reasons why they're never fulfilled is because for a lot of us, we're afraid to get started. We're afraid of all the unknowns. We're afraid of, of maybe stepping out there in faith, trusting God for the unknown, and instead what happens is we're waiting for perfect conditions, we're waiting for circumstances, we're waiting for this, we're waiting for that, and our ship never gets out of the harbor. And one of the things that we learn about this king, which is interesting, and, and we don't really know a whole lot about this place called Ophir. Um, it, it was basically known for its gold and its wealth, and that's why so many people wanted to go there, which was to ultimately discover gold and find riches. But most archaeologists and, and theologians really don't know exactly where this place was. Some believe it was over off the continent of Africa. Some believe it was in India. But the point of the matter is, is that it was a place that did exist, and it was known for its gold. And yet Jehoshaphat never got to realize his dream. And one of the reasons why we learn later in the book of 1 Chronicles, that the main reason why he never saw his dream become a reality is because he formed unholy alliances. In other words, he got into a partnership with somebody that he should have never got in partnership with, and as a result, his ship just never got out of the harbor. And so what I want and what I pray for for you as your friend and pastor is I want to see you become all that God has created you to be. I want your dreams, your goals, your aspirations. Listen, I don't care if it's just to be a better husband and father, if it's to be a better wife or, or mom, if it's to be a better employee or employer. Whatever your goal, whatever your aspiration is, maybe you have a desire to start a new business. 
Maybe you've always dreamed of doing something. You've never pursued that dream for various reasons. And you've been in your heart of hearts thinking, this is the year. 2019 is my year. Well, I want nothing more than to see you succeed, not just in your spiritual life, but I want to see you succeed and grow financially. I want to see, see you succeed and grow in your relationships. I want to see you succeed and grow physically in every area of your life so that 2019 truly can be your best year ever. So here are five things that I think would be very helpful for you, and I think this is really important for us to, to understand and most importantly apply, and the first is this, if you take a notes, is we have to stop ex- accusing and we have to stop excusing. So we have to stop accusing and we have to stop excusing. Now, there are really three kinds of people. One are the accusers. We all know who those are. The accusers are the people who've got, you know, a victim mindset. It's always somebody else's fault. You know anybody like that? (laughs) They're always pointing blame, you know, pointing their finger at somebody else. Well, if she wouldn't have done this, or if he wouldn't have done that, or, well, I can't do this because of this. What what happens a lot of times is we're casting blame on our circumstances, or maybe we're casting blame on somebody else. We're pointing our finger at something or someone else, and they are the reason why we're not succeeding. You know how you spell blame? B-E-L-A-M-E. Don't be lame. Because if you blame, that means you're lame. You're just an accuser, always accusing something or somebody for your problems. Don't be a victim. God doesn't want you to be a victim. Don't do what Adam did. When, they, when, when Adam and Eve, you know, when, when, when Adam, when he ate the fruit he wasn't supposed to eat, and God said, what did you do? He said, it was a woman's fault. Man's been blaming women ever since. So at some point, you got to own it. Don't be an accuser. And don't be an excuser. Don't make excuses. Well, you know, if this wouldn't have happened or, you know, or I would do this, I would go after that. But, you know, if this and that, well, ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all be a bunch of happy campers, wouldn't we? But we always want to make excuse. We always want to accuse. We always want to cast blame on something or someone else. But at the end of the day, listen, accusers and excusers are losers. God wants us to be choosers. You say, what is a chooser? Where a chooser is a person who says, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna accept responsibility for my own actions. I can't necessarily control the situations or circumstances or people around me, but I can choose my response. And so I'm gonna own the responsibility that I have to make something with my life regardless of the situation or circumstances or the people that I am surrounded with. In fact, that's what the Bible tells us in Galatians 6, verses four and five. Pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else for we are each responsible for our own conduct. So God doesn't want, to be, want us to be accusers or excusers. He wants us to be choosers. So we're gonna choose God's way. We're gonna choose to take full responsibility for our life, listen, for our time, for how we live, our attitude, our actions, and we're gonna move forward in faith. So that's the first thing we do. We have to stop accusing and stop excusing. The second thing we have to do is we have to surrender our dreams to God. 
And that is one of the reasons why we have been spending the last seven days of fasting and praying because more than anything, before we take off with our feet running in 2019, going hard after the things that we're believing God for, listen, we need to pause and we need to put those dreams, we need to put those aspirations, we need to put those prayer requests, we need to put whatever it is that we're believing God for, we need to put it at the altar, amen? And we need to invite God into the process. Listen, with, with, listen, with God, all things are possible. So we gotta invite him. It's less than me, more of him. So we wanna, we wanna move forward in faith, but more importantly, listen, we wanna invite God. We want his favor, his pr protection, his presence. We want his provision in every area of our lives. And so let me just share with you um, something that I found in, first, excuse me, in, in Proverbs chapter 16, verses three and four, and it goes like this. Before you do anything, put your trust totally in God and not in yourself, then every plan that you will make will succeed. The Lord works everything together to accomplish his purpose. So as you surrender your dreams, your goals, your aspirations to God, here's what typically happens. There are six phases of faith. As you step out in faith, as you attempt to get your ship out of the harbor, so to speak, as you begin to pursue what's in front of you, here's what happens. First of all, God puts a dream in your heart. There's something very specific that he's leading you to do. You feel this leading, this urge. You feel this, this, this desire to see something become a reality. But then you make the decision to step out of the boat, to step out in faith, to get your ship out of the harbor, and you make a decision to start pursuing whatever that is. And as you pursue that, as you make that decision, then typically here's what happens. There is a delay. In other words, it doesn't go as quickly as you thought it was going to go. And so what happens between the dream and the fulfillment of that dream typically is a season. There's a long period of time, which typically is a delay in the process. And that's where all of a sudden your patience begins to get tested. That's where all of a sudden you begin to get a little weary of doing good. That's where all of a sudden you begin to even have questions and doubts in your mind. Am I, am, am I even going to be able to pull this off? Is this even going to work? So what happens in that moment is difficulties happen. So you go from dream, then you go to, to the decision, then from the decision, now all of a sudden there is a delay. And in that period of delay, you are met with difficulties. There are these unexpected twists and turns and setbacks and circumstances and situations that you never thought you would ever have to deal with. And it's through the difficulties that you face, it leads to the next phase. And it's what we all know as a dead end. And here's the problem with dead ends. It's in that moment where you feel like this isn't going to work. This marriage is never going to get better. My son and my daughter who's living outside the will of God, I don't know that they're ever going to return back to God. This, this, this drug addiction that I've had that's been plaguing me, that's been, that's been hanging over me year after year after, I just don't know all the treatment, listen, all the therapy, all the stuff that I've been through, everything that I, I don't know that this is ever going to work. We've done everything we can to get out of debt. We've tried this, we've read that, we've gone to that seminar, we've tried all these different things. It gets worse and worse and worse. I don't know it's ever going to happen. And it's in that moment where three things will either happen. You're either going to break down 
where you say, I can't take it anymore, and you throw in the towel and you quit, if you're married, you're either going to break up because you say, she's never going to change, he's never going to change, this will never work, and so you break up, or you can stay faith-filled and say, no, I'm going to wait it out because I'm believing for a breakthrough. And at that, that, at that moment, that's that but God moment. That's the parting of the Red Sea where God suddenly shows up because God is in the business of turning our crucifixions into resurrections. That's who he is. With God, all things are possible. So we cannot give up and quit on the dream that God places in our hearts. Just because you set sail and the storm comes doesn't mean you bail. Listen, we have to be faith-filled and we've got to understand that at the end of the day, it's God. Only God can help us pull off what it is that we are believing him for. So we have to surrender our dreams to God. And that's the reason why I want to come, encourage you to come tonight to our final prayer, prayer rally. Because, we're, listen, Bob says, James, if we just will come close to him, he will come close to us. So we're just going to press in. We're going to believe him. We're going to conclude this seven-day experience together in an awesome, awesome way and surrender everything we've got to him. Amen? The third thing is this. We've got to set some faith-filled goals. I love what the scripture says in Proverbs 17, verse 24. An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. So as you think about getting your own ship out of the harbor and setting sail into this adventure that God wants you to pursue and to achieve whatever it is that's in your heart to achieve, whatever that is, you fill in your own blank, but whatever that is, you've got to set some faith-filled goals. Now, how do you do that? Well, I want you to take the word faith, and I want to give you some kind of some handles to hang on to as you think about building your goals around these faith-filled goals. The F simply stands for focused. So you gotta get crystal clear and you gotta get very focused about what it is you want to accomplish. You gotta be very specific. You can't just say, well, 2019, I'm gonna get in shape. Well, duh, we all wanna get in shape in 2019, right? But no, 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 you gotta get specific. I'm gonna run a half marathon by the end of the year or I'm I'm gonna run my first mile by the end of next month, where you, where you get very specific about what it is that you want to do. The second thing is, it's also gotta be attainable. That's the A in the word faith, it's gotta be obtainable. So for some of you, running a marathon or a half marathon by the end of the year, that may be very ambitious, but at the end of the day, it may not be obtainable, okay? So it's gotta be something that is possible and something that is practical as it relates to the situation or maybe the season that you are in. You may be a young mom with the little toddlers at home. Well, you may not be able to read five books a month, okay? You're just looking for five minutes to get a nap. So you gotta just take things into consideration. They gotta be something that's obtainable, possible, and practical. But then you have the I, which simply means it's gotta be individual. So you gotta make your own personal goals whatever that might look like for you, because you can't make a personal goal for someone else. Say, you need to lose 10 pounds. Well, it's gotta be a personal goal. It's gotta be something specific to us. And so when you think about that, it's gotta be an individual goal, and then the T is trackable. So this is where it's gotta be time keyed. It's gotta have a deadline to it. Now, there are... uh, 
and we'll get into this in a second, but there are basically 10 domains in our lives. And so sometimes if it's, your, if it's a physical goal, a financial goal, a spiritual goal, a relational goal, whatever that might be, typically what we want to do is we want to set at least one major goal in each of these 10 domains, but you don't want all 10 of those goals to be due by the end of, the Jan- by the end of January. So you've got to spread them out, but each one has got to be very specific and time-keyed so you can track your progress. And then the H stands for it's got to be heartfelt. In other words, you've got to be driven with a passion and a why behind what it is that you're pursuing. There's got to be purpose behind it. There's got to be meaning behind it. It's got to keep your fire lit or you'll give up. So you've got to set some faith-filled goals on what it is that you're believing God for. Now, I want to share with you some faith-filled goals that I've set for our church. You want to know what they are? Now, these are some pretty big um, I heard the guy, former CEO from General Electric, he used to call them BHAGs. They're, they're, they're big, hairy, audacious goals is what he called them. And, uh, and so I got that from him. But anyway, um, but these are, some, these are some big goals. But these, I believe, are trackable. I believe they're, they're obtainable. I, I really do believe that, that this is something that God can do. And the first is this. I, I'm believing that we're going to be able to start a second service at our Lake Nona campus by Easter. And that's a realistic, doable goal because just like we have two services here, we need two services out there. We need to reach people at an earlier hour than we're able to reach them now. And so at the end of the day, we want to be able to pursue that, and there's no greater time to do that and to open that door of opportunity than by, by Easter. The second thing that we need to do is we need to hire three staff members specifically in key areas in our church by the end of this year. Very, deal, very, very important and critical to us as a church to continue to, to on the growth pace that we want to pursue and to meet the needs that need to be met and to lead the way things need to be led. So those are three very clear and specific goals that I'm believing God for. The third thing is, is that we, and I believe, that we're going to have land under contract by the end of this year. I just believe that with all of my heart. And so we're pursuing that and we're just believe it's going to come sooner rather than later. But at the end of the day, that is a goal, a faith-filled goal that we have set. And the last thing is this. We're believing that we are going to have over 1,000 people on any given Sunday at our church showing up to worship. And they're bringing people with them. That's just going to be a normal Sunday around here. And so we're not far from accomplishing that. And one of the keys to help us do that is by adding another service in Lake Nona, but to continue to move forward in faith to reach people who are far from God, who matter to God. And the only way we're going to achieve that goal is by more and more people like you and me inviting more and more people to church so that people can know God, so they can find freedom, so they can discover purpose and make a difference with their lives so we can reach a city that needs Jesus Christ. So that's how we're going to do it. But listen, we've got to all play our part. We've got to play our part. It's not just something that that we can hang on the wall, but it's not happening down the hall. We've all got to own that responsibility and say, God, use me. I want to be one of the 1,000 that's reaching somebody that needs Jesus. And so those are some things that I'm praying for, that I've been circling this room for for the last six days, six nights, just, just trusting God for. So at the end of the day, here's the thing. We've got to understand the importance of no longer accusing or no longer excusing. We, we gotta, listen, we've gotta surrender our plans, surrender our dreams, surrender our goals to God. 
we got to set some faith-filled goals. And then the fourth thing is this. we got to start now. we got to start now. Can I just share something with you? Here's a fact. There is never a perfect time to get your ship out of the harbor. Now, if you're anything like me, I have been guilty of saying, well, this is just not a good time. Or you probably have said something like this. Well, when things settle down. Well, we're just going through a season right now. When, when we get through this season, anybody, anybody ever used those terms before? When things slow down, you know, you know, when we get through this season, when things settle down, I really hate to rain on your parade, but that's just never going to happen. The world is moving at a faster pace than ever before. And we can sit around all day and say, well, I'm just going to wait for this, and I'm just going to pray for this. And here's the deal. A lot of times what we're doing is we're waiting around, waiting for our ship to come in. And God's name's saying, no, 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 no. I'm not waiting around for your ship to come in. I'm waiting for you to get your ship out of the harbor. And so God, listen, is waiting on you and me to step out in faith and believe him for what only he can bring about. But we gotta start at some point. And so here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 11 verse four, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. As a matter of fact, procrastination is fueled by perfectionism. So if you're anything like I have been guilty of at times of saying, well, everything's just got to be right in order for me to step out there. I got to get this thing situated. I got to get this thing worked out. I've got to work through these situations. And, you know, I got to get this person on board. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. In other words, I got to make sure every T is crossed, every I is dotted, and everything is lined up in an alignment so that when we get ready to take that step, it's all going to perfectly fall into place. I promise you that's not going to happen. Because if it did, then we wouldn't need faith. We wouldn't need God. We could just make things happen on our own, couldn't we? So we need God for the impossible. Yeah, there are gonna be situations, yeah, yes, we need to plan. Yes, we need to use wisdom. Yes, we need to be prudent. Yes, we need to seek counsel. Yes to all those things. But at some point, you can talk and you can pray and you can discuss and you can work through and put things on the calendar. And at some point, you gotta crank up the engine and get the baby out of the harbor. You know what I'm saying? So we have to start now. Now, I'm going to give you some personal challenges to start with today. You ready for this? These are going to stretch you spiritually. That's my job, is to stretch you. It's been said that people and rubber bands have one thing in common. They both have to be stretched in order to be effective. So I'm here to stretch you. Listen, you can stay in the safe zone, the comfort zone, which is where most people like to hang out. Or you can step into what is referred to as the, as the discomfort zone. Or you can hang out in the delusional zone. And a lot of people hang out there too. And I hate to say it, but they're just, their dreams are never going to happen, okay? I mean, I will never be the next Justin Bieber, okay? I'll never be the next LeBron James. It's just not, I can, I, can, I can circle this place until Jesus comes back. It's not gonna happen. So I gotta move out of the delusional zone 
and I can't stay in the comfort zone, at some point I gotta step out of the comfort zone and be far enough out there where the fruit is at the end of the branch to where there is some discomfort there. Because I don't know if the, the, the branch is going to hold me up or break or what's going to happen, but if that's where the fruit is, that's where I want to be. So at some point, i got to step out there. At some point, i gotta, I got to get the rope, and i gotta, I got to untie it from the dock, and i got to get the thing out. i got to get it going. And yeah, I don't have a clue how it all is going to work, but we're getting the thing going. And here's the thing. It's in that point where we got to trust God to be God. So the first challenge I give to you for 2019 is I want to challenge you to invite God into your finances. You know how you do that? By start tithing. Everybody's waiting for perfect conditions. Well, yeah, yeah, when we get out of debt, we'll start. No, that's the time to start putting God first is when you're in debt because you need God to help you get out of debt. So we need to invite God into the process. So the way God works is this. We have to step out in faith, and we have to trust him. We have to believe him. We don't wait until everything's all perfect, and then we do things. No, 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 that's not faith. That's not obedience. The best time to obey is when? Tomorrow? No, it's today. You don't tell your son or your daughter who's doing something disobedient, say, on Thursday, I want you to start obeying me. No. Today. Now. So, we need to start today by tithing. You say, well, I can't afford to tithe. You can't afford not to tithe. So if you wanna invite God into your finances, invite God into your world, spiritually and financially, you've got to put God first in your finances. And you figure that out. You've gotta sit down and put the paper and the pencil together and y'all gotta figure that out. By the end of the day, 10%, that's, what is, that's the biblical benchmark of the tithe. That's not the ceiling, that's the floor. But you may need to start at a percentage. Just pick a percentage and just start there and say, God, I'm going to trust you with 2%. And then step out a little further out into some uncharted waters you'd never been before. Say, okay, I'm going to go now to 4%. But eventually, God, I'm believing that I'm going to be able to rearrange and reorganize and reprioritize some things to get to the 10%. And then God, as you continue to bless, as you continue to provide, God, I'm going to do exceedingly and abundantly because I know that, God, you are the, the God who provides for all of my needs. And so we have to start in that way. Another thing is I want to challenge some of you to do is I want to challenge you to get water baptized. We just baptized three people a while ago. Some of you need to get baptized. You've been thinking about it. You've been talking about it. You've been praying about it. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And not only is salvation Today, it's urgent. It's now. We don't know what tomorrow holds. But the first step in obedience to Christ after we put our faith in Jesus Christ is to do, to, to, to do something publicly, and that is to demonstrate publicly what Christ has done inwardly in our lives. So if you want to be baptized here in a few moments, we can talk to you about that after the service. If you want to come back tonight, we're going to be baptizing tonight after our prayer rally. Either way, take that important step. Another thir th uh, third thing is this, is we need to get on the growth track. If you've never been to growth track, I'm gonna encourage you to go the first Sunday of February. Now, some of you have been hearing me say that not just month after month. Some of you have been saying that year after year. And so, the problem is, is that you are still in a place of being in a comfort zone. You are still in a place of being 100% totally satisfied and content of being a spectator. God never 
God did not put you on this earth to be a spectator. God's called you to be a participant. He's got a job for you to do. Man, there is a purpose for you being here. There is a mission that he wants you to fulfill. And you'll never figure that out until you discover your why. We're going to talk about that next week. And then we're going to show you how to do it at our growth track. So we get so, so important. Another thing I want to challenge you is start a life group. Just start one. You say, well, you know, our kids or this or that. I, this, is the, this is going to be the busiest year I think I probably have ever had in my entire 30-year ministry career. No doubt about it. Biggest, busiest year of my entire life. I've taken on more challenges I think I've ever taken on in my entire life. But here's the deal. We're starting a small group. You know why? Because it's important. We need to do life with people. You need to do life with people. It's better to do it together. We can't do it alone. We can't achieve all these things we're talking about unless we have the constant support and encouragement from people in our lives that are gonna help us get our ship out of the harbor and to continue to set sail. So it's so important. And the last thing I wanna challenge you to do, and that is I wanna challenge you to get on the dream team. So find a team Why? Because it takes teamwork to make the dream work. Listen, the people that we're believing is going to come through our doors, hey, we need somebody to help serve them. We need need folks that can help minister to their children, raise up the next generation. Listen, Listen, we need to be an army prepared for what God wants to accomplish in and through our lives. And that really leads me again back to the thing I just emphasized, and that is number five, you're taking notes, and that is we've got to select a partner. We gotta select a partner. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 says it this way. It's better to have a partner than to go it alone. Listen, no one has ever achieved success as a one-man and one-woman show. I mean, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. Batman had Robin. Ken had Barbie. I mean, it's just the way God planned it. So we need people in our lives. We need a partner. As I stated a few moments ago, Jehoshaphat, he chose the wrong partner. And as a result... You know what the Bible says? The Bible says his ship never got out of the harbor. As a matter of fact, when the storm came, it threw the ships against the rocks and they were wrecked. His dreams never came to life. You need people in your life that's gonna help you and encourage you and support you. Listen, pray for you, stand with you when you're at that point where you feel like you're at a dead end and they're saying, no, 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 no. Don't you dare give up on your marriage. Don't you dare give up on your, on your job. Don't you dare throw in the towel. Don't you dare quit. Listen, deliverance is on its way, but God can do all things. So we gotta believe that. I wanna conclude with this. I was thinking, the, I was thinking this week, if our church was a ship, what kind of ship would it be? So I got to thinking, well, it'd be cool to be a battleship. You know, just blow everything up, you know, it'd be cool. Fight the enemy, go after him. But that's not what God's called us to be and do. To go fight all the battles and wage war on everything. Stand on every corner with our picket signs, you know, where we're against everything. It's like, are y'all for anything? No, we're just against everything. So we're not a battleship, nor are we a sailboat where we're just chilling, you know, with our little, our little drink out in the, the bliss and just kind of letting the wind just kind of blow whichever direction we want to go. We're not, we're not a sailboat either. 
I'm thinking, what kind of ship are we? What kind of ship do we want to be? I got thinking, man, it'd be cool if we were an aircraft carrier. Because an aircraft carrier, you know what it's designed to do? It's, 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 it's a picture of people coming in and then going back out. An aircraft carrier is a large platform in the middle of the ocean where you have these jets that come in, and as they come in, what do they do? They refuel, they recharge, they get restored, and what do they do? They go back out to complete their mission. So they come in, they refuel, they recharge, they get restored, and then they go back out. So they go out, and then they come back in. They go out, and they come back in. That's what the church is. It's an aircraft carrier. We have people each and every week. They come in. They get refueled. They get recharged. They get restored. And then they go back on mission to complete their assignment in their workplace, in their family, in their schools, in our community. Why? Because there's a world that needs Jesus. And God has called us to be on mission to reach those who are lost that Jesus came to die for. So my challenge to all of you is, a matter of fact, I am commissioning all of you. Congratulations, you have just been named Top Guns. <laughs> so it is time for you to complete your mission. And for some of you, it's time to get started. And there's no better time than right now to get your ship out of the harbor and set sail for the greatest adventure of your life for 2019, amen? So let's believe that. Let's bow our heads together in prayer.